We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, sadly, we are talking about the Nets losing to the Hornets in their home opener, 111-95. How are we doing, Jack? Yeah, back at the Clays, and Ish Smith is continuing to destroy the Brooklyn Nets, as do the Charlotte Hornets. And they're a bit of a bugaboo team, as they were last year. For I think the Nets went 0-2 against the Hornets, so they haven't got the monkey off the back yet. Yeah, I think they beat them in the in Lamarcus's Aldridge's uh, debut last year, but they did lose early on to them, especially that close game where they had an opportunity to win. When Ky- it was just Kyrie and KD, but like you said, provided some problems for the Nets. Nets didn't play their best basketball. We'll jump to that and plenty more. You can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start with this one? I think we start with the second half, Nick, because okay. that was probably the most pertinent thing. You know, at halftime. 58-50, Nets have got themselves a little bit of a buffer. Then they get outscored 61-37. to 37. Or Is it 61 or 62? I think it was 61. Um, 61. In that second, yep, in the second half. And for an offensive team that is, that's identity is driven on that, the offense was gone, <laughs> unless your name is Kevin Wayne Durant. So uh, that was probably something that was really disappointing, Nick, the, the fact that and the, the Hornets were just able, hitting everything from the perimeter. Ish Smith was shooting the three ball better than Joe Harris was. It, it was just not going our way. And I think that, I don't know whether it's a, I don't know who, if there's someone to blame or the, the blame should be shared across. I think it's unless your name is KD or unless your initials are KD, um, then a lot of people have, have to have a look in the mirror about their performances because uh, there was no one out there. It was... You know, Thanos putting on the gauntlet, oh, hell, I'll do it myself, Kevin Durant style. And, you know, <laughs> Thanos has some followers that, that helped him do some shit around the universe. Uh, Kevin Durant didn't tonight. Yeah, I think, you know, KD was cooking, obviously. I think he started the game, didn't miss a shot in the first quarter. 
uh, finished with 38. And he was getting a lot of attention by the time the fourth quarter began, and he was still hitting a ton of tough shots. But like you said, offensively, just not really getting a lot of production from a lot of good offensive players in this team. Number one being James Harden, who just doesn't look like himself right now. Joe Harris is definitely not in rhythm at all. You know, Patty Mills cooled off a little bit in this game, obviously hit all of his threes in the first two games. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is definitely giving them something. Bruce Brown had a few good moments in there and offensively. Javon Carter's not hitting that three-point shot, and that's really the only thing he can do for you offensively. Claxton is pretty much a negative at this point. So just kind of down the board, it's just like where are you getting the pluses offensively, especially if you're getting a lot of minuses defensively. Yeah, and I think that there's... I want to answer one of the many questions that I, I want to ask, Nick. You're obviously there, lucky enough to, to be there. Um, incredibly jealous, you know, you copped all the, the cool new merch. But in, in saying that, we talked about uh, the balance between, and Steve Nash did, I think, pregame as well, the balance between experimentation and the desire and just playing, putting out winning combinations. Do you think that that balance was too skewed? I mean, I don't think it was even there in the Sixers game. Do we need to start seeing a semblance of a consistency from Nash and a semblance of consistency in these lineups? Obviously, Blake Griffin was inside and John Carter started in his place, so the Nets decided to go small. Didn't really work uh, in that respect either. What are your thoughts, I guess, on that balance that Steve Nash is trying to strike? Is he getting there? Is it continuing to frustrate you? You obviously there firsthand. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's frustrating in the fourth quarter late in the game where he's trying out a new lineup that you have not seen. And obviously there's major deficiencies. At one point it was Kevin Durant, four guards. You know, it was just like, what do you really want him to do out there? I think it was even Javon Carter, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, and Bruce Brown when James Harden was dealing with some foul trouble. And then there was one with James Harden out there. And it's like, yeah, Kevin Durant is great. But this team, this Hornets team isn't super small. And they have a lot of athletic bodies. So if you're playing, you know, undersized and you're not as athletic as them and you're not as strong as them, they're just going to dominate you. And you just kind of saw that in different ways. Things just got super easy for them in that fourth quarter. And some of that's energy and effort. But some of that's just like being at a deficit. Like you're literally Patty Mills trying to defend somebody who's six inches and 50 pounds heavier than you. What's going to be the outcome of your consistently doing this for five minutes? Yeah, the, the Nets are small in, in, when they put out those lines. You know, Javon Carter is 6'3", 6'4". Patty Mills is 6'1". You know, Joe Harris playing, what, at that power four position? Bruce Brown, obviously, we know he can play the small ball center, but not in... Not when I just I don't agree you with need that. Other I wings kind of on the floor when Bruce Brown is doing that. You know, it obviously needs to be KD, it needs to be James Harden, but it also has to be like no other big players on the other team that are like capable of doing that. Like we saw that lineup work out really well against the Warriors last year. Obviously, the Warriors have a lot of issues last season. They didn't have a center that could really impact you inside or even many players that could. You know, this Hornets team can attack you inside with athleticism at the rim. Then they did it all night, Nick. You know, I think that early on it was LaMelo Ball getting downhill consistently. Miles Bridges. That dunk was nasty. I'm not going to lie. i got to give the dude some props for a goddamn 360 dunk in transition. Um, and their athleticism, their peskiness, um, their just ferocity at, at just making the Nets uncomfortable um, and really, really exposing the Nets in a lot of ways, especially with their transition defense. And, you know, there was a moment tonight where, where Clax had a dunk um, and he sort of holds it, he poses a little bit, and Steve Nash is going, come on, man, get back. What are you doing? Um, I, I think that the Nets, the, we're three games in. You know, the Nets, a lot of people are saying are lucky to be here, one and two. Um, worldwide, Wob, the, the most people around and the biggest Knicks stands. 
um, this sort of you know throwing shade at, at what Brooklyn's doing. I, I think that there are plenty of issues with this Nets team, but I much prefer to be having them right now in game 20, game 30, game 40. Um, and I think that some of these issues are remediable uh, or uh, are, have the ability to be solved. Um, it's just whether Steve Nash has the desire to actually want to solve them right now. And I think that, you know, the biggest bugaboo, I think, Nikki, is James Harden. And you, know, you got to see him live, and it's obviously a different experience to seeing him in person uh, on the TV. I know from, you know, the vantage point of, of watching on the couch, seems sloppy with the ball, seems to be not passive, because I think there's moments where he does drive in, like, you know, when he was getting that offensive board late, you know, he seemed to have a real desire to do it. But that was after a possession where he dumped off to Bruce Brown and I think was a pretty ill-advised pass. He doesn't look like the James Harden that we know. And we spoke about passive James Harden or the ability to want to get your teammates involved when he was he first arrived with the Nets. But he's not making his teammates better right now either. It seems to me that he hasn't found a balance. His conditioning clearly isn't there. Um, everyone's talking about the, the free throw issue and the, the, re the refereeing issue. And we can touch on a few quotes there. But Nick, seeing it firsthand at the Claves, what's wrong with James Harden? I just want to pause on James Harden real quick and go back to the transition defense stuff that you brought up before, Jack. I think that's a major issue right now. That's just way too many times are the Hornets in this game were able to get downhill in transition, especially a player like Ish Smith. It was essentially like it, they should have been setting up their half-court defense, but in some reason it's like a semi-transition play for in Ish Smith on the inbound coming downhill one-on-one -on -one with Patty Mills, and he really had no help anywhere and gets beat to the rim. So like you said, that's a correctable issue. Like you just need to hustle back, and I think Steve Nash mentioned before the game, conditioning is really bad. That's definitely a problem. And then these turnovers offensively allow these teams to get out and run, and if you're just not as athletic, you're not going to catch up to them, and that's going to lead to easy buckets. So it's kind of like almost all combined problem and I think even defensively we kind of mentioned some of the communications I thought in the first half there was a time so they played good defense but we'll touch on that later moving back to James Harden like you asked Jack really excited to see James Harden I've actually never seen him live maybe once when he was on OKC as a six man back in the day but I've never actually seen like this version of James Harden in terms of like Houston Rockets Brooklyn Nets because I went to the Buck series last year obviously he was injured in game one didn't get to see him so I was kind of excited to see what he could do and it did not live up to the hype for me. It was just a really rough game for him. And, you know, some of the foul thing I think is true. You know, obviously there's times where I was like, okay, that that's a clear foul and you're giving it to LaMelo Ball at the other end of the floor. Like, you need to give that to James Harden. But also you mentioned, like, making his teammates better. He's not doing that because if you're going to play passive and not be that scorer, we need you to kind of boost up Joe Harris, boost up Patty Mills or the big man or Bruce Brown, whoever it is. You see the five, uh, what is it, eight turnovers. And a lot of those turnovers were just passes that were off the mark. Uh, he threw at least three passes in this game that were at the ankles of either Kevin Durant or LaMarcus Aldridge. And they just need to be better passes. And if they're better passes, that's leading to two points for the Nets and probably stopping a transition opportunity for the other team or just, you know, continuing momentum. And Harden is hindering the team offensively and defensively. His communication is off and his on-ball defense looks like trash. He said himself um, to, to the Nets media, I'm just getting my confidence back. I'm a little hesitant. I know you guys can see it. So the fact that he's putting it out there in the universe is, you know, look, maybe the fact that he's putting it out there is going, okay, look, I'm going to accept. I, I, I like the, the level of self-awareness of our superstars. Kevin Ryan, James, they're, they're, always, they're always accountable and say, look, a turnover's here, whatever we got to do. Kevin Ryan's like, look, we're three games in. And so you know, I, I listen to what they say and, Look, I'm not totally worried about it because, again, it is game three, but 
it, it's it's an issue right now. So it, it is an issue worth analysing. And I think, like you said, you know, he, he got a, a nice dime to, to Kevin Rayan in transition. I thought that, that was nice. I like really like the Euro there. Kevin Rand is playing incredible basketball. We will we'll touch on the positives and um, spend plenty of time talking about KD, but it is James Harden. He needs to get himself going. Um, and, and whether that is what Carl Anthony Towns does and watch Gorillas fight before a game or something, I don't know. But obviously, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's only shot nine free throws this season. Steve Nash said, obviously, that he's become the poster child for these rule changes with the non-basketball moves. He said that he thinks he's getting fouled, but the refs are hyper-aware just on the player, so there's a, a, an inherent bias towards James Harden. I know that you sort of said that it is a, a little bit as well. A lot of people are sort of saying, look, well, James Harden can just play a little bit better. I think that both things can be true. I think James yep. Harden, one, can play better, and two, the officiating can be better. One thing about the officiating, just touching on it here, Kevin Durant is getting fouled 40% of the times he takes a jump shot. He yeah. keeps going, hit my arm, hit my arm. That, to me, is something that needs to get called a lot more. Like, yeah. I, I understand that the James Harden stuff is a, a lot of him doing what he does, and it, it's rich. A lot of people are saying it's rich coming from Steve Nash after what he said about Trey Young last season. But Kevin Durant, we've seen, like, close-up camera of him getting hacked when he's taking jumpers a lot of the time. He should be getting and ones and, and getting to the free-throw line on even more occasions. So I think that the... I don't think it's unfair the way that the, the game is being officiated, but it seems to me that there is no level of superstar bias anymore, where it's just like, you know, LeBron, Luca, Trey, James Harden, these guys would always get the calls. KD doesn't get the calls because he's predominantly a jump shooter. So they don't look for that. And if the shot goes in, it's just like, all right, who cares? Like, we don't need to necessarily call it. But I like that Kevin Rand's putting his, you know, putting his name out there and going, hey, guys, a couple of calls, please. I'm getting called for freaking everything. Um, the leadership that he's showing uh, is tremendous. If James Harden can lift his game a little bit, the, I, I think it's as simple as that. If we get yeah. what James Harden was in the latter points of last season, then the Nets are going to be completely fine and all the little role player issues and lineup issues uh, will be solved. It's just that... It's exacerbated by Kyrie Irving's absence and exacerbated even more so because James Harden is by no means in the best condition ever. We spoke about last season, is he playing the best basketball of his career, the most complete basketball of his career? Kevin Durant probably is as at age 33, which is pretty incredible. But James Harden is a ways away from that. Yeah, Jack, I think you nailed it on the head right there. You know, th that's the main problem. At the end of the day, if Harden was playing well, you know, even in the Bucks game, you can make an argument if he's playing well, things are just operating better offensively and they're more of that potent offensive force. And I think Harden obviously can still be that guy. His conditioning definitely looks rough. He's not in rhythm right now. He's trying to force things a little bit too much. So literally just getting in shape I think it's going to be a big boost for him but then also just getting more comfortable and he's had slow starts it's not something that's like unheard of for James Harden so if he can get in shape get in rhythm I think you'll see his game pick up the Nets W's pick up and also the role players just get more open shots because I think that's one of the problems too is they're just not generating as many open threes they're not getting those plays off of the James Harden pick and rolls or the James Harden drives they're just kind of getting shut down or turning into turnovers or if they are, it's like sort of Lucas mentioned in the last episode, those threes are open to Javon Carter, to yep. Bruce Brown. It's not to Joe Harris. It's not to Patty Mills. It's not to Kevin Durant. And 
the, like we sort of have mentioned before on this podcast, that the margin for error has lessened because of the absence of Kyrie Irving, and the Nets aren't an all. They were an all-worldly, the best offense ever last season. Now they have to be better defensively to make up for that. But they're neither that nor are they maintaining their capabilities yep. as an offensive team. It's been, and I think a lot of that is that. There aren't a lot of sets being seen, Nick. Like I, I, I don't really see a lot of actions being run for Paddy, for Joe, for KD. It just seems to me like roll the ball out, let James Harden use his level of IQ to impact the game, let Kevin Durant do his his thing as well. I just don't think that there is enough being done by the coaching staff either. Now, whether that is a, a just a wait and play it out, see how we go after three, five games, assess the data that we have in terms of lineups, see who works together in terms of chemistry, and then initiate some certain things. But like, I, I just understand, like even some of the ATOs, like uh, the, Steve Nash would always run you know really nice actions for Joe Harris at the start of games and after timeouts and such. And obviously his form has been very, very poor for, for Joe Harris's standards. So I think that, Everyone needs to live it in this organization. Uh, again, unless your name is Kevin Durant because he's the MVP level, best best player in the world level basketball right now, including, uh, again, we're probably going to bounce around a little bit on this pod because there's a lot to talk about. But that pass off the, the drive was incredible. One of the best passes that maybe Katie has ever had. Uh, again, probably a prisoner at the moment, but that dime, I don't know if it was as good live, Nick, but it looked goddamn good on the telly. Yeah, I mean, it was great live. I think the craziest thing live is just watching him shoot over like three people trying to contest a shot and it still go in. I think it just never really gets old. But kind of getting back to the offense, Jack, you mentioned no sets and the Nets like ran sets last year, but a lot of it was like read and react, just kind of playing basketball out there. And without the chemistry and the rhythm and like the minutes together and understanding your teammates, that's going to be hard to do. You know what I mean? They just don't really have a great feel for what their role is or what they're expected to do or how aggressive they should be. And I think, you know, Katie might have mentioned it either after the Bucks game or after the Sixers game saying like, there's a lot of good players and people are kind of afraid to step on each other's toes. You know, maybe that's not just calling people out, but also people willing to be aggressive. And I think that's a problem. And also sometimes guys need to make plays for like other guys to get open. You know what I mean? It's not always going to be about you scoring. And I just think maybe the communication, the understanding, or maybe there's just really not an understanding of what they need to do. And Steve Nash needs to step up in that area. And also just like, from a bigger perspective, they are not sure what style of basketball they're going to play offensively, defensively, or even from a rotation perspective. So it's really hard to put things together without having any type of plan. And tonight, it truly felt like there wasn't much of a plan from the Nets. No, and I think that there is. There was an established identity last season. Obviously, it took some time, and you had to add, you added in James Harden around January, February. So you know the identity changes with that. Now, the, like you said, so many new pieces, your third best player isn't playing with you, but you still have like talent and uh, are plenty on this roster. Yes, there's bit like the, the level of talent in terms of the positional talent has changed, but there's just not, a, 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 and I think simply as well, Nick, you know, we, we sort of said, you know, KD is the only one who's sort of playing well. So many guys, you know, probably even Paddy Mills, you know, to be somewhat objective, wasn't at his best tonight. Um, either I think that the, some teams are going to be scouting him a little bit better after basically not missing a three and playing historic basketball from the perimeter. But well, it's easier to shut him down too when the other guys aren't doing it. You know what I mean? It's like all right, we're going to shut down Patty Mills. These other guys aren't hitting threes. Exactly, and and in terms of hitting threes, Nick, nine of thirty-five from there tonight. Uh, really, really poor from them, and only had eighteen assists on thirty-eight made field goals. So, a team that has. You know, Joe Harris, Paddy Mills, Kevin Durant, and James Harden 
should be better than 26% from three. Um, and even Javon Carter, who is a decent three-point shooter, Paul Millsap's a decent three-point shooter, so is LMA. You know, there are, there, it's basically just clacks and Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown hit one tonight. Basically, yeah. he was immediately inserted into the game. And it's just like, Bruce Brown's hitting a three and playing defense. God, he's, it's incredible what you can what can happen when you actually play this guy. Um, but he wasn't amazing either. He was he was good enough. But yeah, the Nets only had 12 free throws. The, the turnovers were an issue. It was, you know, 17 turnovers to 12. So, uh, and there's just a lot of issues right now with this team, Nick. And and I think that some of them can be solved. It's just going to be a matter of when, not if. Like, it's just going to be a wait-and-see approach, whether it's just like, okay, what, what are we going to run now? What lineups are we going to run? Um, and we sort of see glimpses of lineups that do work, and Steve Nash chooses to go away from them. So I guess I'll, uh, we started the conversation with this. Does Steve Nash need to start being a bit more win now? Let's get some freaking wins on the board. Let's play some winning basketball and go, okay, I'm not going to play James Johnson tonight. I'm not going to play Nicholas Claxton 18 minutes tonight. I'm not going to start him tonight. Do you think things need to change? Because we sort of said with Clax that in the last game that the Hornets were a good matchup for him, but he wasn't either. He had probably some better moments, but he was still poor overall. Yeah, I think Steve Nash needs to kind of still experiment, but when it comes to like the fourth quarter or crunch moments in games, you have to realize like, all right, I have to go to something that I at least kind of know in this situation. You know what I mean? Like something I can count on to produce some type of thing. And he, he like I mentioned earlier, he experimented with a super small lineup of something, a lineup that we've never seen play a minute together this season and a lineup that was going to be exposed just based off of what – the Hornets were doing effectively. I think his idea in his head was, let me put as much speed on the floor so we can kind of stop the transition. But the problem is, like, speed doesn't matter if you don't have any size to deal with it. You know what I mean? If Miles Bridges is attacking a guard in transition, he feels pretty good about that matchup. And that's one of the main reasons Bridges ate today. He got a lot of easy matchups with guys that either couldn't keep up with him or when they got to the rim, couldn't jump with him. Agreed. Yeah, I think that... Steve Nash has not coached the, the team well yet. Now, whether inside the locker room, there is more that we don't know about. But, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating to say the least. You know, a tweet that I put out yesterday is still getting likes and retweets about Steve Nash's lack of coaching other than give the ball to KD. So I think something does need to change from him to make the team better because your role as a coach is to give the players the tools to succeed by lineups and combinations that should work together. And I think we've gotten a decent enough sample size within three games as well as preseason basketball to go, okay, play Paul Millsap more, play Bruce Brown more, uh, put these lineups together, keep um, Paddy Mills and LMA and LA together, sorry. They look pretty good. Um, put KD and Bruce Brown together because, you know, the way that Bruce, you know, gives open space to, and, and probably Bruce and James aren't to be fair as well because, James just loves passing to guys who roll, and no one rolls better on this team than than Bruce Brown. And yes, he missed a couple of floaters and a couple of laps tonight, but he is still creating those spaces, and I like the opportunities that he's creating there. It's better than what Clax is doing because Clax's offensive IQ is just not to the level that it is with Bruce Brown um, in that respect. So a, a lot of changes need to be made, and a lot of changes can be made. It's just that, look, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, what it's like tomorrow against Washington. Yeah, I think some of it, too, is like Steve Nash doesn't necessarily have the answers at the moment, and that's okay. Like, this is still a relatively new team, and they kind of got 
you know, a surprise in terms of Kyrie Irving not being able to play this season. I think obviously he's an elite offensive talent that doesn't need plays called and can play well in any situation. And I think maybe I undervalued how much he brought to this team and especially one aspect of the spacing. I feel like the floor is definitely a little bit more congested without having a guy like Kyrie out there, just given that no one's going to come off of him because he can literally hit a shot anywhere. He's also an underrated off ball movement guy. And I think that's the problem too is Steve Nash is trying to find perfect lineups like sometimes you have to put up a lineup and just be like okay this is an area this lineup is deficient but we know we can be good in other areas especially if it leans into our identity of being a good offensive team and to me it's just like I'm just not sure what they're trying to do at different points like you said it's kind of like KD save me that's been a lot of the stuff that's one of the main reasons they probably beat the Sixers and obviously the Sixers meltdown it's like what are we doing how are we going to be successful you know what I mean and sometimes it's like oh yeah we run a couple sets they're just playing normal basketball you know oh the Marcus Aldridge has PJ Washington on him. post up just take advantage of the mismatch in different situations sometimes they're just making basketball too hard out there as well so I'm confused about what kind of style they're trying to play. I think the players are somewhat confused, even defensively, because all of a sudden you're playing switch everything, and the next possession you're subbing in LaMarcus Aldridge, and now it's drop. And now people are kind of unsure of the assignments. And that's something for a new team, but also I think it's just not clear-cut what they need to do, and I think that's that's for coaching. Nick, two questions for you. Um, obviously, we had Kevin Durant get asked about Kyrie Irving's absence, and, and he said this to, to the Nets brass. Uh, to the next video, sorry. Uh, we definitely want Kyrie Irving out here on the floor, uh, and he's a huge part of what we do, but it's not happening right now, so we've got to figure it out. Nobody's going to lose confidence while we're playing and hope Kyrie comes and saves us during the game. No, no, I just love, Kevin Rand is just so goddamn smart, just a, a little bit of an aside to that. I'm yep. um, just really just knows how to answer things honestly and forthrightly um, and just um, remain a sense of objectivity and, and big picture about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One, do the Nets have enough in the absence of Kyrie Irving, Nick, which is seven previews about how stacked this team is and the depth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Two, what changes would you make to make this team more successful, whether that's in going into Washington, whether it's lineup stuff, whether it's throwing a Cam Thomas out there more, whether it's starting a Bruce Brown, whether it's starting in L.A., uh, what changes would you make? And do the Nets have the pieces and have the depth on the, in the rotation to make those changes? Yeah, I think right off rip, you know, the biggest factor is, and we discussed this, is James Harden. If James Harden plays well, that's just improving a lot of things and covering up a lot of mistakes because he's a superstar level player. And if he's not playing at that level, then there are some questions about, you know, 
where else can we get playmaking other than Kevin Durant? And you don't want to over, overburden him early in the season. And that's kind of been a question mark. You know, we brought up on a show, I think Matt Brooks has brought up before too, is like maybe having another playmaking point guard would be something that could help this team, given that Kyrie would fill in that role if he was here. And James Harden isn't able to do it at that, you know, superhero level we've seen him be able to do. So, you know, maybe Cam Thomas does make sense. You know, maybe Cam Thomas needs to get in the rotation. You're experimenting. He can provide you some offensive pop, especially in some lineups that have some spacing issues. He's just a guy that can get a bucket and obviously has to prove to do at the NBA level and play defense. So I'm not sure if that's the answer, but I'd at least like to see it for a couple minutes at worst, especially because I got an example for you today. We saw the starting lineup, Javon Carter, Joe Harris, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Nick Claxton. They played the first couple minutes of the game. It was terrible. Now, Steve Nash had the option to change at the start to third quarter. He elected not to and rolled with that same lineup, and it wasn't very good. And I think that's an issue. Like, you can't continue to start games in such a negative way and have to continue to come back. I think he needs to start realizing that, like, putting out one of your better lineups to start a game is important. You know what I mean? You want to have success to start the game. You want to find some rhythm. And right now, he's not doing that. I'm kind of confused with the whole Claxon thing. Like, I get throwing him to the Wolves, but, like, He's not having any success, and you do not want to murder his confidence. So making him come off the bench in a more favorable situation might be the right move. And like we've kind of talked about, too, in previous shows, is like if you're doing that, now you're producing offense through more efficient players, given it's Kevin Durant or maybe it's helping Joe Harris's confidence or whoever else is in that lineup. So like there just has to be some smarter decisions in terms of making the team, making sure the team is set up for success. It feels like at times they're putting themselves in a position to fail. I got plenty more to say, but Jack, I want to let you get in there. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's worthwhile put, put it all out there, my guy. We could spend a, well, we spent 69 minutes in the last one, and this, <laughs> this episode's probably going to be null and void, but there's plenty of evergreen content uh, on this episode, so we'll probably be sure to promote it still a little bit, even when we record after the Washington game. I think that what we heard Bruce, Bruce Brown say after the game to the media, him sort of saying that, you know, the, the, the coaching staff communicated to him, yeah, we know what you can give us, but we're going to experiment a little bit. Some people put out there different things that didn't necessarily reflect that quote. So, and, and, and Bruce was understanding. So you, you can just tell, okay, cool. They communicated with him. Unless they didn't just go, nah, what am I going to tell you? You, you just figure just it out. Yeah. Now, that, maybe that needs to be done with the clacks. Like, all right, clacks, we've given you uber amounts of opportunity to impact this team uh, as a starter. You don't deserve to start, unfortunately, right now. You need to prove to the level that you can get out there. Now, Bruce Brown has proven the last season and proved in, you know, especially the early minutes tonight, you know, the lineup, which, which was uh, James Harden, Patty Mills, Bruce Brown, uh, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge was in incredible. And that's probably your best five right now, especially because Joe Harris isn't playing the way that he is. You probably sub out um, Joe Harris for Patty Mills just purely because of the, you want to have a little bit of offense, offensive firepower with the backup. So that's what I would go with uh, as my starting five, Nick. I think that's the best five. And even if, like, you know, just had Millsap and Clax a little bit together, I don't think we've seen that. We saw a few minutes today, but it was very short to the point where I don't really have any takeaways from it because it was just a small glimpse. So, yeah, I think that there's there's things that, like, uh, it feels like Steve Nash is continuing to, and, and he did it tonight, and, you know, again, three games in, of an, in an, and we have 79 more to go. But it feels like he's doing it for the sake of doing it with, with no purpose to it. It's just like, okay, I have to know what I want to get out of this. Now, how much like leeway am I going to give with Nicholas Claxton as, as the lone big? How much leeway am I going to give with a, a lack of spacing or this these small ball lineups that you touched on a little bit earlier? It just seems like he's trying things for the sake of trying things. And 
there's it's, it's it also seems like he's doing things and repeating them despite the fact that they didn't work like you talked about with the the starters it's just like like it, it just it. it just changes just like this you've seen things within a game that work and to give him a semblance of credit in that Sixers game in the probably the final nine or ten minutes he went with the guys that played best yep. we saw that now it was on for me more the players performing and probably Danny Green uh, fumbling in, in, a, in a really massive way. But we sort of saw him go, okay, these guys are winning it for us. It's LaMarcus Aldridge. It's uh, four other guys. Uh, and, and let's do that. Tonight, it just seemed like that there were things that worked, but they weren't stuck with. It's just like when things go well, don't you just keep doing them, Nick? Like when we're on a, a bit of a roll and a bit of a flow with the podcast, we want to record more. We want to do 60-minute podcasts rather than 20-minute recaps. It just seems to me that it's almost baffling in ways. Yeah, I think also uh, another point would be like he didn't counter. The Hornets countered him in the second half. LaMarcus Aldridge got on the floor. They started to attack him more in space. Steve Nash really didn't have an answer for that. In terms of what he did, he made probably the wrong reaction and went super small where maybe the right reaction was just as simply as putting Paul Millsap in the place of LaMarcus Aldridge. You know what I mean? I think he kind of like overreacted to the situation too, especially without not without trying like another solution that looked like it was more plausible. And obviously, you know, everyone has their theories and we're not NBA head coaches. So obviously you have to give, you know, Steve Nash the benefit of the doubt and some extent of what he's thinking and maybe what he thought that lineup could do. And maybe it was just like, attack, 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 get a lot of threes up or something like that. But it didn't work. You were getting killed inside. You have that opportunity to make a sub in a situation and put in a player that maybe you have more trust in just, you know, right there. And obviously, you know, not to say this is an excuse, Blake Griffin rested tonight. He could have been a guy that Steve Nash, I feel, is more comfortable with. And maybe that could have had an impact on the game. But Blake's not going to solve all these issues because a lot of it is just like, there's just a lot of confusion. Yeah, and look, James Borrego... Thoroughly outcoached Steve Nash yeah. tonight. Absolutely thoroughly. He is uh, probably a coach of the year candidate, uh, very, very sneakily. The way that the, the game plan tonight, in terms of exposing the Nets in a lot of ways, continue to utilize their strengths to so just get out in transition, you know, easy outlet buckets. You know, when the Nets you know, make a basket, throw uh, like a, a full court pass to Gordon yeah. Hayward or whoever else it might be. And you know, they make got the, the mismatches net. without even doing anything. They would just throw yeah. the full court pass, and the guy, first guy back would be Patty Mills. And then all of a sudden, it's Patty Mills versus Miles Bridges. Like Bridges yeah. is going to cook him. He's got the size on him, and Bridges looked like a very confident player tonight. And some of that's the Nets' fault, and some of that's him just improving. But if you allow a player like that to get hot early, that's just going to kill you. He shot twelve free throws. Yeah, Nash hasn't impacted the game. In fact, he's negatively impacted uh, the way the team has played probably all of these three games so far. He hasn't, uh, other than what I alluded to earlier with the sort of final quarter of that Sixers game. It's it just like the counters that he makes are counters for the sake of making counters and just re the reaction time. He's not proactive, he's reactive. Um, so look, where we've given Steve Nash credit where credit is due. We've also criticized him. I don't think we're as probably on the, off the deep end as, as a lot of other people might be in terms of firing him. I don't think he's a good coach right now, but that's not to say that he can't be a good coach because he had his moments last year. I think he needs to be a bit more impactful in what he can do, not just latest to go, all right, James Harden, Kevin Durant, you guys play basketball and that's how we'll do it. It's just like, my guy, we need a level of principles. We need a level of, of sets. We need a level of things to adhere to, to go, okay, this is what we want to do. Not just gang rebounding or whatever, or get out in transition where you can. 
it's uh, I just think that there is too more of an little, identity. Yeah, there, there's too little being done, and I think it goes back to I guess the collaborative nature that we sort of hear about with with the team. Sometimes you need a an authoritarian, you need a Greg Popovich to sort of go, all right, you guys are playing absolute trash right now. This is what you need to do. Clear out the weak side, get four guys on the left and just let Kevin Durant cook in the post. Clear out the weak side, do the same for LMA. Run some Chicago, some horn sets for Joe Harris and Patty Mills. Let's do some shit because right now, no shit is being done. <laughs> yeah, and if it is being done, it's being done at a very sloppy level. And I'll say this about Steve Nash. He was a good coach last year. I thought he did a really good job considering the injuries he had. The superstars were out. The guys that missed time, they were a top seed. They pushed the Bucks to seven games. Obviously, a lot of that was Kevin Durant, but they were missing two superstars. So a lot of credit to Nash, and I think he's capable of being a good coach. But like you said, the first three games have not been great. The lineup stuff is definitely weird and maybe – will look like fools because he's going to figure it out sooner than later and they're going to get things going. But right now there needs to be kind of more of an impact from the coaching level, especially when your coach on the floor and James Harden is not playing well. That's, I think, an issue. And then also, obviously, the absence of Kyrie Irving, who covers up a lot of mistakes. So you're looking for kind of Steve Nash to coach better. But also, I'll give him a little bit of support in terms of like the players are not playing well. Guys are not playing hard. Guys are not executing and they're not making plays and they're turning over the ball. Some stuff Steve Nash can't control. So some of that, the players have to take credibility and just need to step up. Because I think there's been numerous times during these three games where the effort and energy level and the focus has just not been high enough for a team that wants to be a championship contender. No, and, and I agree with that. And we're not going to spend the whole episode speaking about Steve Nash, but a couple of final <laughs> things I wanted, I wanted to touch on was... One, you make a good point. I did think he coached really, really well last season. But it's funny because the situation there was he didn't have the, the kettle of fish. There was a lot of problems. There was guys in and out. So it allowed him to experiment in a way where it's just like he didn't have 12, 13 healthy guys on the roster. Whereas right now, everyone is healthy. Everyone is good to go. So He almost has what, too many options. Exactly. And now it's just like he doesn't know what to do with it. And you know the, the luxury of choice uh, in, in that sort of respect. Uh, comparison point two, a lot of people will probably have already made this, um, but I'm going to steal it as well. The way he's coaching right now reminds me of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, as the, the manager for Manchester United. They are full of talent, but they lack principles and, and coaching to get the most out of them. Now, you know, he's Kevin Durant, Cristiano Ronaldo, probably. And in fact, I think he's probably better at his sport than Ronaldo is right now. So, I just think that Steve Nash has a ways to go, as does this team, but they need to start growing together because you know you want to start finding some things because from the first three games that we've seen so far, Nick, the only thing that I can sort of take away is that Paddy Mills is going to be a really good role player and Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. Other than that, we've seen regression from Joe Harris. We've seen regression at this early stage from James Harden. So... It's uh, And I think that those two things with James Harden and Joe Harris, both of them were in foul troubles tonight as well. Um, and the, the lineups in that fourth quarter, Joe, um, James Harden had a, two charges, one which wasn't a charge, one which definitely was a charge. Um, and obviously, you know, mentally, he's, he's not all there. And Joe Harris isn't playing good defense. Like we sort of said, in, and, and Lucas sort of mentioned that he's you know, playing fundamentally okay. Tonight he was he wasn't he was just giving away way too many fouls and whether he's a lot better was... when the team defense is good and the team defense was pretty good in the first half during certain stretch, stretches but in the second half it was lost. It, it really was. So I think that the foul trouble didn't ha help at all for, for either of those guys because it it forces you out of a rhythm. You know you just can't really do anything when you're being subbed in and out in and out. And when James Harden was subbed out, that's what we saw those super small lives that you were alluding to as well, Nick. So. 
look, there's um, plenty of issues and we can probably speak a, a lot. I don't know where you want to go to next, Nick. Uh, we can kind of dive through the players quickly each. You know what I mean? Not like a full dive in, but I guess Kevin Durant will give some positivity here. Like you mentioned, Jack playing at a really high level, 38 points, 17 to 24 from the field, two of six from three, two of two from the free throw line, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, three turnovers. I mean, he, he was hitting a lot of tough shots. Like these are a lot of buckets in which he just earned them. And he was getting a ton of attention from the Hornets defense. KD is doing everything he can, but the Nets need to find a way to make his life a little bit easier too. What was your favorite shot for, of his, Nick? I, I mentioned that assist. And I mean, there was a, a cup. I, I know I've got my favorite individual shot that he made, but you know, from your vantage point, being able to be at the clays, I'm going to keep calling it the clays, KD call. I don't care what anyone else says. If you're jumping in my mentions or whatever, but what was your favorite shot of the Slim Reaper tonight? Yeah, there's probably two plays that really stick out from my vantage point. The one in the transition bucket where I think you mentioned you got the pass from Harden, you hit him with a Euro step and Miles Bridges, and it was either Gordon Hayward or LaMelo Ball trailing on the play where he kind of slithered between both of them and threw down the dunk. That was just incredible, and he made it look so easy and simple. And then uh, from my vantage point, down on the opposite end of the floor, this was in the second half, I think, uh, on the right baseline, he just hit like a fadeaway over like three guys. And just where I was sitting, you were able to kind of see all the hands just in the air contesting. It was like almost a graphic made by like Bleacher Report or something. It was just really incredible to see. So those two plays just stuck out to me from just a pure fan enjoyment level. Yeah, that, that was mine as well. I think it was it was Plumley and Hayward yep. or Plumley and Bridges. Um, but it was it reminds you of like a lot of the when people put out the graphics of Kobe Bryant, you know, and having four guys guard him and, and still yep. hit the shot. That was Kevin Durant. Um, and there was a, a really just fluid, smooth fadeaway that he had on Gordon Hayward guarding him in the post as well, which was gorgeous. Um, he's playing incredible, incredible basketball, um, and the, the team needs to get on board because. Uh, even if Kevin Durant keeps playing the way that he is, he can't lift his game anymore. He's literally playing as well as you can. He's doing, I think he had a couple of rotations tonight defensively that left a little bit to be desired, but he's still probably one of, if not the team's best uh, defensive player too. So uh, the team needs to get on board and, and help the, the the Slim Reaper out. Yeah, he's the only guy that you feel comfortable, I guess, with you know, with, as an on-ball defender, you know, like he's a guy that at least is going to probably get a good contest. You know, some guys hit tough shots on him, but at least he plays, you know, decent defense and other guys are not giving you that level. I guess going down the list, talking about Joe Harris, another tough game from him, you know, seven points, 27 minutes, three of six in the field, one of three from three, four rebounds, zero assists, one steal, one turnover, five fouls, just completely kind of out of rhythm, out of sorts. And he was getting targeted by the Hornets. He was really getting tired by the Hornets. And, you know, the it, this was one of the... I, I think this was just a really, really bad game from Joe. And yeah. he has not started the season well. I've seen moments from him where I was just like, okay, cool. There, there's something to sort of hold on to. Now, whether we see this as being the slump for Joe and he gets out of it, I, I really hope that he does because I think that, like you sort of mentioned too, that the team needs to do more for him to allow him to get open. But, you know, like we said on, on previous pods, it's easier to guard him now, you know, he, and it seems like he's not playing as instinctual. He's not making quick, slappy sort of decisions. Yep. And I he's think a step James, slow. He's a step slow. And I think James Harden is, you could say, the exact same thing for him as well. They're taking too much time to just go, all right, let, just hit a shot. Just drive and, and try and get a foul. Just drive, stop, assess where things are at. His decision-making um, is really, really poor right now. Yeah, I thought there was one questionable play for Joe that I actually liked. He was aggressive shooting the three, and I felt like Gordon Hayward definitely fouled him coming around the screen. Like, on the guys that are running him off the screen, he needs to get that call so he can take those shots, and I think that's something the Nets need to push. Not to get back on Steve Nash, I just felt like also, 
obviously I was there at the game, so I'm not watching the broadcast. I might have missed it. But sometimes you need your coach to just light up the refs. Like sometimes it really just has to be that way. The postgame stuff is cool. But in game, you need to get a couple calls. And there was just a couple calls where I felt like they just weren't getting them. And maybe Nash kind of stepping up would help. But getting back to Joe. Like you said, Jack, you nailed it. He's just kind of a step slow in his decision making. Everything is kind of easy to defend because he doesn't know what he's doing and he's hesitating. And then he's taking shots sometimes that he's not even like comfortable taking. You know what I mean? Like he's taking some of these like fadeaways in the in the in the paint that could be like layups or like floaters or like easy shots, and he's making them more difficult than what they need to be. So Joe Harris out of rhythm, and I think if Joe Harris isn't playing well, it kind of signals that the offense is out of rhythm and not running smoothly because when it is running smoothly, he's getting a lot of open shots. And I think what we say in the Sixers game, he shot like 10 threes, only shooting three threes tonight. Some of that's the team not kind of getting him the looks, but also him not being as aggressive. So they need to find a way to generate some easier offense for him because they need it with Kyrie out. Definitely. He's his importance as an offensive player only, you know, grows and, and you know, you have Patty Mills as well. It's sort of, it's sort of like Alan Crabb, Joe Harris days, which is like one guy would shoot well, the other guy wouldn't. Now yep. Paddy didn't shoot the ball well tonight either. It wasn't uh, the best game from him, but uh, I just still think that his Paddy's mentality was still to to want to impact the game, and um, despite the fact that he he wasn't able to continue his three point shooting streak, I still think that there were some moments from him um, tonight. But yeah, the, the mental. I think the mental aspect for, for Joe Harris right now, and we don't know what's going on inside his head, and, and all he needs is probably one, you know, seven of ten night like he got in in the preseason to go, all right, cool, he's back. So hopefully that night comes sooner rather than later because the Nets need it, Joe Harris needs it, um, and it'll impact the team in such a big and positive way. So I'm hopeful that he can do it. It's just about everyone improving around him and Joe, you know, lifting himself and wanting to be better for himself. And the fact that, you know, you're getting, you're getting paid the big dollars now, Joey Buckets. Yep. Show us why you're worth that money and go out there and lift this team. We need you, my guy. Yeah, I think there's also other areas where he can make plays too, like attack the boards more, be more aggressive there, really hustle your ass off in transition to kind of get some of those open looks too. And just defensively, you know, maybe he needs to take a couple charges. You know, maybe that's something he needs to do. I'm not trying to tell somebody that they need to put their body on the line, but there's probably a couple of plays where maybe he could get the charge if even maybe flopped a little just to kind of add to it. But um, Joe's kind of an interesting guy, I think, from the Nets perspective as well. And maybe this is just also new teammates like him having an understanding where his teammates are going to be and also guys being more active off ball. So there's not somebody always lurking around the rim like we kind of talked about. And some of that is just the lineups not having as much spacing with Kyrie not being there and then being forced to play some non-shooters. Definitely. So, look, who do you want to touch on next, Nick? Uh, you want to touch on Clax? I mean, obviously five points, 18 minutes, one of three from the field, three of four from the free throw line, which is a plus four rebounds, zero uh, steals, one assist, one block, just looks out of shape, just not providing that same tenacity. And he also got beat off ball a couple times. He did have a couple of highlight defensive plays, but also there's just some other defensive plays where he looked a little bit slow, like a step slow yeah. decision making wise, not physically. No. Yeah. I, I think you make a fair point because of, a lot of the highlights that you posted on your timeline over the Nicholas Claxton years, Nick, have been him locking down guys in the perimeter. He's not doing that to the same level that, you know, in, in seasons past. And, you know, LaMelo Ball got past him, like Ish Smith and Miles Bridges, a lot of these guys, Gordon Haywood. Now, some of that is because, you know, the, the, the screens have been good on him and he doesn't have the physicality to, to fight his way through them. And also is because he doesn't look like he's the, the best version of Claxton that we know that he is. You know, he's all these fullest capacity and Steve Nash alluded to the fact that, you know, earlier and such. So how do you get, how do you get the most out of Clax? 
what we saw last season, you know, him coming off the, the shoulder injury and using him sparingly. And, you know, I would rather be in that position where it's just like, damn, I want more clacks minutes rather than being like in the position where we are now, which is a full 180 and being like, Clax can't be keep getting these minutes. He's impacting the team negatively when he's on the floor. So I think that the best way to go about it is, like we discussed on the pod with Lucas, I think his role needs to change. I think he needs to become a bench big. I think you go with the sturdiness. Maybe next game you stay with the same starters, even though I would probably go with Bruce ahead of Javon Carter. And I would go Bruce and Blake Griffin, like we saw throughout a lot of moments in the preseason as well. And a lot of people were predicting that, following up, but we haven't seen it at all. So... I think that Klax's role needs to change because maybe that's a way that Steve Nash can get the most out of him and also allows him, maybe use him in shorter bursts um, against second units because, you know, the Washington Wizards, if he goes up against Daniel Gafford, I think Gafford's going to absolutely destroy him because uh, offensively and, you know, his motor and his uh, tenacity there, uh, Klax just isn't doing enough of what we know he can do right now to impact the game. So maybe Steve Nash needs to change uh, his plan with him. Yeah, Jack, you're right. He needs to get right, you know, physically his conditioning and then also putting him in more favorable matchups. I think like today, just starting him in this lineup was a bad idea. Like he's a single big. He's not super comfortable in terms of like that help defense yet. That's an area he's still developing. So like having him out there with just essentially Kevin Durant as the only other big against a team that's so athletic because you're looking at the Hornets. They started pretty much every player with six, seven plus. You know what I mean? You've got LaMelo Ball. you got Gordon. you got a Bridges. you got Plumlee was a fourth starter for that Kelly Oubre. yeah and Kelly Oubre who you know so you have those guys you're just kind of putting yourself in, in a bad position but enough about Clax Javon Carter got the start today didn't think he really played well at least offensively defensively had some good moments but other times he just felt completely undersized and I think that's one of the deficiencies of his game he's really only like six foot one and he's just not very big yeah I don't think he's a, a starter either you know, I think that, you know, you can use him as a bench version of Bruce Brown, a guy that can probably shoot the three ball better. But I still think Bruce Brown is a better offensive player. I don't know. Maybe that's a, He's a, a little better bit. piece of the offense. Like Bruce Brown will get the ball and move the ball, dribble the ball and do something. Javon Carter does this thing where he just like gets the ball and starts dribbling like five crossovers back and forth up and down and essentially going east and west instead of north and south. You know what I mean? Just kind of very stagnant to the offense. And I think Bruce Brown impacts the team as well because he makes timely cuts. He screens really well. He does those little things as, as a role player. Um, and obviously, you know, he hit a three tonight. You know, we'll get to Bruce Brown in a little bit. But yet maybe I, I think that Bruce Brown has proven himself enough to, to fit alongside these superstars, whereas a lot of these guys haven't. You know, you can probably play Javon Carter and James Harden if you have a, a Joe Harris and maybe a, a LaMarcus Aldridge, another offensive hub out there. Um, so it's not all left to James Harden to, to do all the offensive playmaking. So, look, Javon Carter can still be a pace for this team, but if the three ball isn't falling, like you alluded to, Nick, one of five uh, from there, uh, the, the, the starters were really, really poor tonight other than KD, as we've, as we've touched on. So, look, the experimentation is worthwhile to an extent. I didn't, when the, it was announced before the game uh, that Javon Carter would be starting, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not necessarily against that. Um, but now you know <laughs> that when he is subbed out and he's subbed out for Bruce Brown, good things started to happen. And, and he, it's it's basically, it's as simple as if he can hit the three ball, he's going to be an impact. If he can't hit the three ball, then he's not going to do enough for you offensively at all because 
Bruce is still going to be tenacious as a rebounder. And even though he plays, he's a guard size, he plays more like a big. He's a really, really good screener. Makes great cuts, makes good decisions off the short roll. Wasn't that he's, you know, most impactful best in, in terms of the efficiency from the field. But I still think that he he lifted the team when he was out there. He made, you know, team winning plays uh, in certain respects. Yeah, I think the thing with Javon Carter, like a couple different points. One, like you said, he's... At this point in his career, he's not good enough to compete with starters. Like, putting him out there against some of the best lineups isn't going to work. Number two is he can't be on the floor at Patty Mills. Like, he's just they're both too small. You know what I mean? Especially against a team like this. There might be certain situations where that might work, but it's just a very small backcourt and having those two guys out there. And like you said, offensively, he's effective when he can kind of sit in the corner or just be a guy that gets the ball kicked to, out to him at the three-point line and like an offensive lineup where he's like the fifth option, where he's the guy that they're trying to force that extra shot to. And with the lineups he's been out there in, he's not necessarily the worst option. Like, you started him today and Clax is out there. Like, Clax isn't getting much respect. He isn't playing well. And James Harden isn't playing well offensively either is Joe Harris so now Javon Carter is kind of getting moved up to totem pole in terms of what he's asked to do so there's just like all these problems are kind of correlated and they need to be put into a position where they're just looking more successful from the start and just like thinking about it you know obviously it's in hindsight but just thinking about the lineup going out there and the issues that they're having like they're kind of obvious in some ways especially the small lineup to close the game yeah, no, look, and I will say that Javon Carter, when he showed those glimpses in the preseason and he's shown these glimpses with the team, it's when he's hanging out there on the perimeter and being a spacer. That's his yeah. offensive role as a perimeter threat, not as a playmaker for himself and others because he just doesn't have the skills to do so. And that's no knock against him because he can still be an impactful player as a guy that is, is handing guys 94 feet and hitting his three ball, not creating a three ball for himself, yeah. not creating threes and shots for others. If his offense, if his uh, offensive role is limited and he's put in lineups like you alluded to, Nick, where he is allowed to be limited, then that's where we can probably see the best version of Javon Carter. That's we've seen him as the best version of Javon Carter with the Nets in the preseason, as and as well as a, as a Phoenix Suns player. So I think that you know you just need to realize what you have in him now. You've got the sample size on basically everyone. You should know what you get out of these guys. You should know what James Johnson, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, all of these new guys on the roster now give you this team. Now you need to do your homework, Steve Nash and the coaching staff, and go, okay, let's figure out the rotations that are going to get the best out of all of these guys, not just go, all right, Kevin Durant's out there with some of these guys. He'll bail us out. Yeah, I think he doesn't have the full scouting report on all the guys, but I think some guys you have a better understanding of who they are. And Javon Carter is just a guy I feel pretty comfortable in giving, you know, a scouting report on and the roles that he can play in this team. Like, I'm still unsure about a couple guys and what they can do, especially in certain situations. But kind of like this would be a situation where maybe Cam Thomas makes sense because he can give you more offensive playmaking. He gives you more size to that guard spot as well. So pair him with Javon Carter or pair him with Patty Mills and see what he can do defensively. If he's terrible, take him off the floor. But I think offensively, you still have to try it. And this would be a reason why, because... We're literally talking about Javon Carter, obviously still only game three, but having a, a, a decent offensive load in a game where that's just not his skill set and not something you'd want coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, the guy who has, this is might be sacrilege to say in comparison to Javon Carter or Patty Mills, but he has the closest skill set to Kyrie Irving in terms of just an offensive weaponry and in terms of where the Nets are at their best is when they are dominating offensively. Now, you sub that in with a Javon Carter who doesn't have the offensive skill set that Paddy Mills has, let alone Cam Thomas, who has 
you know, a much deeper bag in terms of the ability to create shots for himself. And I think he's going to be a good player when he's out there with the superstars. I think we've seen minor glimpses of that. So if we see experimentation uh, going forward, Nick, then we need to see the full experimentation, not like a, a 90, 80% version of it, because then you're you're not truly experimenting. Um, you're probably going to have to call this like, you know, the science lab episode because we've said <laughs> the word experiment uh, that uh, that often it's uh, hopefully we're not using it uh, too much going forward. But uh, who, who else should we touch on um, in here before I, I touch on a few things, uh, positive things that I wanted to touch on uh, right at the end? Yeah, I think uh, we already touched on James Harden, Patty Mills. You know, he played well in terms of a lot of the other things, just wasn't really knocking down his shot and he was undersized in different situations. I think maybe show a little bit of love to LaMarcus Aldridge. I thought it was solid in this game. Obviously, you mentioned the second half, they targeted him a little bit, but nine points, four or seven from the field, eight rebounds, one steal, two blocks. He gave the Nets a real presence at the rim. And I think like if they can get him in situations where he can play drop coverage comfortably and the other guys on the floor are doing what they need to do to either avoid or get over the screen, that it makes sense to kind of play that way, at least for the time being, given some of the other guys aren't playing well. No, definitely. So, yeah, I thought Patty was – there was I think his passing when was, was quite good tonight as well. You know, the, the bucket that he did hit, you know, where he, he was run off the line and he hit that – sort of long two, um, was good enough as well. So, yeah, even in, you know, a performance that was poor by his standards, I still think that I'm always going to have things good to say about Payne. And if I was, he would be even better. Yeah. Uh, Jack, did you want to touch on Bruce Brown or you thought we talked about him enough? No, I think we've dived pretty deep into Bruce Brown. Really nice to see that three ball falling. Um, it, you're getting what you get out of Bruce. Two blocks and a steal from him. Um, you know, nine shots might be a little bit much for for um, a, a lot of people's liking, but he wasn't forcing it at the same time. You know, James Harden was probably overly complimentary in terms of just giving him the ball rather than making plays for himself. So I, I thought Bruce was was w- one of our better players tonight. It wasn't like he was an, an 8 or 9 out of 10, um, but I still think he was above average, um, and I like that he's taken the, those threes, and it looked good. I think it's just going to be about the spots where he takes them. You can sort of see where he's the most comfortable you know, he's only going to be able to take the the above the breaks one, but the ones from around the, the sort of left perimeter is where he looks pretty comfortable, the right perimeter and probably those corners. Those are probably going to be his sweet spot for that three ball. Yeah, I think, you know, three ball, obviously that's something we're going to kind of wait and see. He instantly came in and made some energy and hustle plays, and that's kind of what this team has lacked. I think offensively, there are some questions about like the spacing being a little messed up because even on plays that he had last year in terms of going to the floater, he had more space to operate. It just felt more congested, some of that, given some of the lineups and Kyrie being out. But the Nets just need to find ways to kind of put guys in more advantage-type situations. No, definitely. Um, on LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick, you know, I thought he had a, a really nice performance. 4-7 from the field, 9 points. Eight rebounds, including three offensive boards, had a, a, a steal and two blocks. Sorry, I had to get that one out. I, I, I think that he's continuing to show that he can be a really good and complimentary role player, uh, despite what John Hollinger says. <laughs> yeah, despite what John Hollinger says. Yeah, I like LaMarcus. I think he's proven, you know, in terms of like early three game sample size, he's been playing better maybe than what I anticipated in just terms of what he can provide. And hopefully as he plays more, he gets in better shape. We can even expect like a higher level from him. But the mid-ranger definitely provides something for the offense. And also just like a big body in the paint. I think one of those offensive rebounds, he got the offensive board and put it back up and got the and one. Like that's just something that he can do because he's a true center. No, definitely. And, and the, obviously defensively, you're going to be limited when you have him out there. So 
it's a, a catch-22 in a lot of ways, but he's been more than a plus for, for this team, especially after what he showed you know, in the, in the Sixers game, bringing us home there. And was plus five tonight. I'm, I'm one of the few players who was a positive in the plus-minus. But another guy who was a positive in the plus-minus, Nick, was Paul... Tr- Paul I was going to call him Paul Trillsap. Paul Millsap. <laughs> Paul Trillsap, I like that. Uh, I think, you know, Millsap's a guy that we both would agree needs to get more minutes. You know, five points, one to three from the field, one to two from three, two to two from the free-throw line, but three rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block. Um, just a guy that in can eight minutes in, in eight, eight minutes. minutes, Nick. The, the, the stocks is what sticks out. The steals blocks three steal, the two steals in a block in eight minutes. Yep. And obviously, you know, plus 12, I think he's just a smart basketball player and he's a guy that can make some plays that just can kind of react to what's going on and kind of set guys up and allow some just easy baskets to happen because he does have so much experience. And I felt like this is just a game that I would have preferred to see him more out there. I'm not sure if Nash already feels confident in what he has in Millsap or if he just doesn't know where to pair him with or he's he's been a little reluctant to, I guess, play him as the only big. And I look. I want to see him as the only big. I, I want to see Paul Millsap more of him in in all respects. Ever since you know we saw that first preseason game, I'm just like, and the Nets are, are lacking a little bit of offensive connectivity. I think Paul Millsap can give you, give you that a, a little bit too. Yes, handoffs, take advantage of some mismatches. Like he's a. We saw him have one mismatch post up today, and he missed a shot. But I thought it was the right play. Maybe back down like two more steps further. But that's a shot that he can hit, and he's just a little bit out of rhythm. And I think again, like playing guys like five minutes here, two minutes there. It's just hard for them to kind of get that feel for the game. Yeah, look, I think that he is more than worthy of double digits minutes at, yeah. the, at the very least. Maybe some of it's conditioning. I don't know. But Paul Millsap, you know, alongside the Marks Audrey, has been our best big for the year. Um, and again, we're getting an incredibly small sample size to make this analysis. Um, and it can change basically on a whim if we see a, a finally a good game from Clax or, or Blake Griffin comes back and impacts the game against, against the Wizards. But Paul Millsap deserves much, much more time on the floor because uh, he has incredible hands. And I think that in terms of the hands defensively, it also works for him offensively. He's just really fluid in, in what he does. And you can just, like you said, with dribble handoffs and screening and hitting the three ball off that you know, KD incredible assist. Um, I, I just think that Paul Millsap can make this team better. Yeah, I agree. I think he's just a good overall basketball player. And I think he doesn't have to play like 25 or 30 minutes. Like, give me 15 minutes of him, and maybe that's all I can take at this point in his career. But still, good 15 minutes of Paul Millsap could, I don't want to say change the game, but in theory, it really could have at least changed some stretches of the game. But, Jack, I think that touches really on everybody. James Johnson played five minutes. He did not look very well. He's just not in sync of the offense and not sure what his role is. But what else did you want to talk about for this specific game? Look, I wanted to ask you, Nick, obviously – I got a, a response from the Brooklyn Nets Twitter page. I've started following everyone, but now they're responding to me. And I think that they misconstrued what I was asking because the Kevin Durant assist that they, you know, they <laughs> responded to me in a gift was, wasn't the play I was asking for. It was the dime from Kevin Durant to LaMarcus Aldridge on that play in the first place. But I respect and, and appreciate the response nonetheless. Uh, we also saw our guy, John Brooklyn, who joined us in the spaces the other days and is a wonderful listener. Shout out the buzz when he was there. He was there with his daughter. I had a, a, a goddamn poster of our logo, um, which it really warmed my heart to, to wake up to that and, and see that. And um, it was it, it was really 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 nice. And um, we got the, the best listeners and the best buzz buzz hype going around. Um, and I was jealous that I couldn't be there to to join in the community and the experience. And so I just wanted to shout both of those moments out, Nick. And I wanted to hear what the the clays 
perform what the clay's experience was like we're seeing all these new like pay wave and you know new payment methods and new swag store the food's popping buster rhymes is getting out of breath after a five minute performance <laughs> um, what, what was <laughs> yeah i mean him and clacks need to hit up the gym um and hit up the hss center what was the barclays experience like for you on opening night mate yeah, first, just shout out to John, because that is just, like, awesome. That was, like, the coolest thing. Like you said, love the support receiving the buzz. It makes it that much easier to kind of grind, especially on games where maybe we don't want to record because the Nets didn't play well. So shout out to everybody who listens, supports us. Really appreciate it. But, you know, honestly, it was great being at the Clays. Like, it just was so good that I had a feeling the Nets were going to lose the game. <laughs> just because I felt like everything was going so smoothly. I was like, damn, like, this is really a perfect day right now. So got there, obviously, uh, went to the swag shop, was able to get the exclusive uh, Warren Lotus t-shirt. Really cool stuff. Um, hit up some, hit up one of the vendor spots for some tacos. Tacos are pretty good. Switching up some new food choices there. Always like that. Trying out some different things. Uh, seats were amazing. And then you had Buster Rhymes at halftime, like you said. You know, it was cool for, like, I guess the older crowd. I guess I'm in the older crowd almost being 30 now. And then you saw Buster, you know, perform. Almost being 30 is apparently all the dude. I must be, like, over the goddamn hill. Well, I can tell, like, a lot of the younger people there didn't know, like, know the lines of the songs or anything you know what i mean like you could just kind of get that vibe uh, i think buster also gave like a dance for an older woman in the front row that was pretty funny as well um but overall experience at barclays was great got to see like a few people that i knew other than that you know it would have been better if the nets had won the game but happy to just be back there obviously i was able to go to the playoffs last year but just kind of being back there for the home opener was awesome I mean, we saw the king of Brooklyn himself, Jay-Z, at, at there as well. We saw... Shout out to my wife. She spotted him early. She spotted him early because I, I think of Christian Winfield or somebody tweeted something out like, there's going to be a big guest and I'm not going to spoil it. And you could kind of just see Jay where he usually sits courtside and he was in his spot and it was like, okay, well, they're going to wait to the fourth quarter to try to build up a little hype. Sadly, it didn't work. Maybe they need to try that in the first quarter. Yeah, maybe if Beyonce was there, they would have had a yeah. uh, had the win. It was also cool to see uh, Jason Sudeikis, Pablo Torre, and Pete Davidson. Um, yeah. I'm a massive Ted, Ted Lasso fan, and I'm going to watch SNL tonight to, to see what that episode was like. But uh, maybe we need to take some Ted Lasso advice, Nick, and I'm not sure if you watch the show. And just believe. Maybe Steve Nash gets to get that sign above the, the locker room, and the Nets need to believe, and, and everything will take care of itself. But, um, yeah, it was really fun to see, and um, I, I can't wait to get over there in, in the coming months. You know, the... It's uh, it's a, a semblance of home to me. You know, I've been there a couple of times. Been there a couple of times. If you want to go again, um, I want to try and find a time where you know it's as safe as possible for me, um, and also as safe as possible for you. And hopefully, you know, Kyrie Irving might be back too. Maybe it'll be playoff games. Maybe it'll be towards the end of the year. But I can't wait to get over to Brooklyn, get over to Barclays, have some Chick Fil A before the game, and also have some some more food at halftime because yeah, like you're saying, and probably spend an inordinate amount of money on swag. Um, I'm already thinking of buying a, a Patty Mills top and uh, another Kevin Durant uh, merchandise, but it's cool to see. And, and, and you know, we are fans of this team. You know, we aren't necessarily credentialed or media members or any of this sort of thing as much as we would love to be. So we got to speak about that fan experience for sure. Yeah, agreed. I mean, obviously, I can't wait to get back there with you, and hopefully, it's for a playoff game and a big moment, and this team's playing a little bit better. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, mate. Um, any expectations or thoughts heading into the Wizards game for uh, you know those that might be listening beforehand? 
I think you just want energy and effort level up. That's one thing the players can control, regardless of the lineups and things like that. There's going to be issues in communication and mistakes that are going to be made, and guys are going to miss shots. They're going to turn over the ball, but play hard. And I think there's just too many situations where guys weren't playing hard enough, especially in transition, or just making you know, dumb mistakes that, you know, I can afford like the little mistakes where maybe you're off on a pass or something like that. But when you're, you know, committing for an offensive rebound that you probably can't get, and now you're allowing the Hornets to get a five on four opportunity, can't be doing that. Then, you know, for the Wizards, a good young team, I think that are going to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of attacking the Nets. They need to be ready. And I think Steve Nash be ready for some counters. Yeah, and Spencer Dimwitty is officially the enemy. He never chose to come on the Brooklyn Bars, even though we offered all the tequila in the world for him. He's now wearing uh, the the jersey of another Nick that I, I do enjoy talking about basketball with. But uh, I hope Spencer Dimwitty does not have a good game. You know, hopefully he got that good game out of the way earlier in the week. So uh, I want us to destroy him and the Wizards and bounce back in a big way. Come on, let's go Nets world. Yeah, love to see it. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.